Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you on this Monday, November the 7th, 2022. Praise be to God. Good morning. Here's a question. Is the church not listening? I mean, it did have all these listening sessions. Uh, Why are so many Catholics feeling left out, ignored even, on the Synod of Synodality? Dennis Knapp from Patheos is going to be on at 35 past the hour to have that conversation. Uh, We'll see what happens, but uh, I think a lot of people have been saying this. They're speaking up, but nobody's listening. We'll find out more at 35 past the hour. Hey, the Pope just came back from a historic trip, the first time ever that uh, the Pope, the Roman Pontiff, made a trip to Bahrain, and uh, we're going to talk about that. I'm going to reflect a little bit on my conversation with the first uh, apostolic administrator of Northern Arabia that I had a few years ago in relation to His Holiness's trip there. That's coming up at 15 past the hour. Tito Edwards from BigPulpit.com is going to be on at the top of the next hour. Columbus Diocese is now shutting down 19 churches. Whew, kind of a big deal. And we'll also talk about the Papal Posse's comments on the Synod working document. All of that coming up on Catholic Drive Time today. Lots of stories in the news. I don't know if you caught this or not, but Jesse Romero made Fox and Friends Weekend. Uh, kind of a, a weird dink. He was in a restaurant having food, and uh, the Fox and Friends co-host walks in to start interviewing uh, people about the upcoming elections in Arizona. And who's sitting there but the one and only Jesse Romero. And, uh, you know, asking him about his comments on the upcoming election, he says, quote, in the Latino soul, we're conservative, Romero explained. We believe in faith, family, freedom, and hard work. Close quote, Jesse Romero. Hey, did you know that on October the 28th, uh, there was a movie that came out called Call Jane? It, uh, I guess it was in over a thousand movie theaters across the country. Apparently, it's a pro-abortion documentary that uh, bombed. It only raised $244,000, which is a bad thing when you're in 1,000 movie theaters across the country. I wonder if pro-life films get that kind of release. Mm, probably not. A CDC data shows that school closures didn't actually reduce child COVID-related deaths. Kind of a bad thing. And, oh, also, lots of social problems, low mass scores, and other scores as well. So, gee, thanks, uh, Teachers Union. The Houston Astros have made Mattress Mac incredibly richer <laughs> by winning the World Series, of course. He won $75 million in, wow. a, in a bet. So, oh, that's incredible. God bless him. He bet, what, $10 million? Yeah. Yeah, he did. Crazy. And the odd, with the odds, he came out $75 million. And apparently everyone has now blown up his uh, private messaging on Facebook and Twitter, everywhere else, saying, hey, help a brother out. <laughs> what do you got? Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. It's so good to be here. Is I feel it? rested. It's mm-hmm. a wonderful, a wonderful weekend mm-hmm. that we just had. But uh, here we are, back in the back in the saddle on Monday here at uh, Catholic Drive Time. Good to be here. Rested. Is that a Latin word? Uh, yeah. You know, I haven't been that in a while, but uh, <laughs> here we are. You're feeling pretty good. <laughs> You're feeling pretty good. 
Well, speaking of uh, feeling pretty good, Adrian Fonseca's here on the ones and twos. This guy sleeps. He's, all he does is sleep. When he's not here, he's sleeping. Ah, uh, the life of a bachelor. That's mostly accurate. That's <laughs> mostly accurate. I am mostly sleeping on the weekends. <laughs> did you have a good weekend? I did. I did. Don't ask me what I did, though, because I'm trying to remember now. I mean, Saturday. You went to Mass. I saw the Astros. Oh. Um, but I only watched the last, like, five innings or so. Um I was I meant to watch the boxing fight that was happening between Baval, but I forgot to factor in the fact that he was doing it in, in like uh, the other side of the world, and so the, I had the times way off, like by like twelve hours I missed it, and I was like, oh, whoops, Oopsies. so that that didn't happen. Um, and then Sunday, you know, we had Holy Mass, and that yeah. was really nice. Well, praise be to God. So, yeah, we got to go to uh, First Saturday Mass uh, back at the parish. Uh, that was quite nice. We always like getting up early to do that. Praise be to God. Otherwise, uh, I did catch up on some to-dos over the weekend. Uh, let's see. What else did we do? Oh, I watched a couple of uh, Tom Hanks films. Really? Oh, I saw The Hobbit. Ooh. The the actual... Just like the, the one that came one? out like seven years ago? Yeah, that one. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Isn't it a two-parter? It's, it's a, a three-parter. Three it's a three-parter. I only saw part one. Okay. I didn't watch all three. I watched... Uh, I don't got 12 hours. I watched Greyhound, and uh, there was a robot movie, apocalyptic robot movie that he made. Uh, huh. The name is escaping um, at the time. I'll look I it robot? up for the after show. Is he no. robot? No. No, it was pretty good, actually. It wasn't too bad, but uh, I watched them, iRobot's not good. I watched them both on filters, and it worked out great. But, nice. Uh, otherwise, we're going to have a lot to get caught up on today. I think I also upset my wife by sharing uh, the moment I asked her to marry me publicly last night. She gets very <laughs> embarrassed by that stuff. Uh, I'll talk all about that in the after show. Join us if you can. But otherwise, let's pray. Let's get started. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known, that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Monday, November 7th, and here are your headlines this morning. Epic Times reports on the Ukraine war. Russia is warning that Britain is too deep in this conflict. They say, quote, We perfectly know about the participation of British specialists in training, preparation, and execution of plans against the Russian infrastructure and the Russian fleet in the Black Sea. We know that it has been done. A Kremlin representative said in an interview with Sky News. They continue saying, quote, It's dangerous. It could bring us to the line of, I would say, no return. But return is always possible, but we should avoid escalation. And this is a warning, actually, that Britain is too deep in this conflict. It means the situation is becoming more and more dangerous, unquote. The Hill reports U.S. privately asking Ukraine to drop public refusal of peace talks with Russia, according to The Washington Post. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky initially expressed a willingness to negotiate in early parts of the war. However, after Russian President Vladimir Putin formally annexed four regions of Ukraine in late September, Zelensky issued a declaration stating that it would be impossible to hold peace talks with Putin. And Ground News reports Barrett again des- denies emergency bid to block student loan forgiveness plan. The U.S. Supreme Court Justice Amy Coney Barrett again declined to block President Joe Biden's plan to cancel billions of dollars in student debt, this time in a challenge brought by two Indiana borrowers. 
And the Blaze Report's Democrat poll worker accused of pressing straight Democrat ticket on voters' ballot and telling black people to not vote for candidates because their supporters are racist. The first incident involved the poll worker in question urging two black voters who entered into the polling station to not vote for pro-parent school board candidates, arguing that activists outside advocating for these candidates are racist. The polling place inspector then learned that the poll worker in question was assisting a voter with an electronic ballot and pressed the straight Democrat ticket option during an explanation. The voter was confused about how to change the selection and raised the issue with another nearby poll worker. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is Blessed Peter Cambiano of Rufia. He was born in Ceria, Piedmont, Italy in 1320. Peter Cambiano's father and his mother was of nobility. They were virtuous and careful parents, and they gave their little son a good education, especially in religion. Peter responded to all their care and became a fine student, as well as a pious and likable child. Peter was drawn to the Dominicans by devotion to the rosary. Our Lady of the Rosary was a special patroness of the Podemont region, and he had a personal devotion to her. At the age of 16, therefore, he presented himself at the convent in Podemont and asked for the habit. Peter's span of active life was 20 years, most of which he spent among the heretics of northern Italy. The father of the Lombard province had a fine reputation to uphold. Peter's first assignment was to work among the Waldensians. The Inquisition had been set up to deal with these people in Lombardy before the death of Peter Martyr a century before. So well did young Peter of Rufius carry out the work of preaching among them that the order sent him to Rome to obtain higher degrees. The Pope, impressed both by his talent and his family name, appointed him Inquisitor General of the Piedmont. This was a coveted appointment to a Dominican. It meant practically sure martyrdom and a carrying on of a proud tradition. In January 1365, Peter of Rufia and two companions left the convent in Turin to go on a preaching tour that would take them into the mountainous country bordering Switzerland, where the heretics had done great damage. Their lives were in hourly danger. The Franciscans at Sus gave them hospitality, and they made their friary the basis of their operations for a short time, but very active against the campaign against the Waldensians. His preaching occasioned several notable defections from the ranks of the heretics, and it was decided that Peter must die. On the February 2nd, three of the heretics came to the friary and asked to see Peter of Rufia, saying that they had an important message for him. They waited for him in the cloister near the gate, and when he appeared, surrounded him and killed him with their daggers. Peter died almost instantly, too soon to give any information about his assailants, and the murderers disappeared into a valley where the heretics would protect them. All Pedemont, Switzerland, and Savoy were in uproar over his death of Peter, who had been a saint in his life and a martyr in his death. He was buried at the Franciscan house as it was considered unsafe to transport his body through the hostile heretical territories. His relics were translated to the Dominican house in Turin, Italy in 1517 after the friary was destroyed by an invading army. He was beatified December 4, 1856 by Pope Pius IX, Blessed Peter Cambiona of Rufia, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 17, verses 1 through 6. And he said to his disciples, 
It is impossible that scandals should not come, but woe to him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hung about his neck and he cast into the sea than he should scandalize one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother sin against thee, reprove him, and if he do penance, forgive him. And if he sin against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day be converted unto thee, saying, I repent, forgive him. And the apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. And the Lord said, If you had faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you might say to this mulberry tree, Be thou rooted up, and be thou transplanted into the sea, and it would obey you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The Venerable Bede would say, So that we must be ready to undergo the most excruciating torments, rather than cause any scandal to our neighbor, Though we must here observe that if our neighbor takes scandal at our good works, we ought not, on that account, to desist from doing good, or desert the truth. Close quote, the Venerable Bede. Pray for us. Don't you love that? So it makes good uh, makes a good uh, use of Romans 14 there, when St. Paul says he would not be a stumbling block to a Christian whose who's understanding of of the faith, of truth itself, might be not quite what it ought to be. He won't be there a stumbling block, and yet we ought not to abandon truth and use that as our excuse to not defend the good, the true, and the beautiful, to do the right thing in the midst of those who don't agree. We must always do the right thing, even if it does cause difficulties with our neighbor. St. Cyril of Alexandria would say, Now there are two kinds of offenses, of which the one resists the glory of God, but the other serve only to cause a stumbling block to the brethren. For the inventions of heresies and every word that is spoken against the truth are obstructions to the glory of God. Such offenses, however, do not seem to be mentioned here, but rather those which occur between friends and brethren, as strifes, slanders, and the like. Therefore, he adds afterwards, if thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. St. Ambrose would say, for better is a friendly correction than a quarrelsome accusation. The one strikes shame into a man, the other moves his indignation. He who is admonished will more likely be saved because he fears to be destroyed. For it is well that he who is corrected should should believe you to be rather his friend than his enemy. For we more readily give ear to counsel than yield to injury. Close quote. St. Ambrose, pray for us. Let's have courage to do the right thing, to say the right things, even in the midst of those that might reject it. For salvation is the most preeminent priority. Some atheistic scientists claim we don't need God to explain the universe because science is sufficient to get the job done. But is this true? The answer is no, and here's the reason. Science could never negate the need for God because it can't give an exhaustive explanation of the universe. First, it relies on the inductive method in order to validate its hypotheses. As such, scientists can never be certain they've discovered every piece of data necessary to give a complete explanation. They must always be open to discovering something new that could alter their current theory. Furthermore, science presupposes an existing universe to observe and explain. 
Thus, it could never explain why the universe exists in the first place rather than not. Science has explanatory power, but not enough power to negate the need for God. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Uh, started drinking beer on Saturday nights, uh, sleeping in on Sunday mornings, missing Mass, and it just became a pattern and continued. Without God, I don't know where I'd be right now. I feel like I'm whole again. I know the importance of the Eucharist. I know the importance of the sacraments that I didn't know at a young age. I follow God's will because my desire is to get to heaven. Our, our lives are rich and full by being members of the church. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Dennis Knapp from Pathios is going to be on at the uh, 35s after the hour segment. We're going to be talking about the synod on synodality. Many Catholics are feeling not listened to, while others are the only ones being listened to. And Dennis is going to weigh in on that. So join us if you can. Uh, there are lots of stories in the news that are a great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. And, of course, uh, we all know now that uh, His Holiness Pope Francis is, has made a lot of outreach, I would say, to the Muslim communities of the world. He just made a historic trip to Bahrain. And there's a bit of a confusing message, I would say, I would argue, that His Holiness is making there. Uh, maybe, maybe not. Let's look at that. Here's a headline out of the National Catholic Register. Pope Francis tells Catholics on the Arabian Peninsula to be bold in proclaiming the gospel. It says in Bahrain on Sunday morning, Pope Francis prayed with Catholics from the Arabian Peninsula and encouraged them to be bold in proclaiming the gospel in their countries. Quote, all who are baptized have received the spirit and so become prophets. As such, we cannot pretend not to see the works of evil so as to live a quiet life. And not get our hands dirty, close quote, he said, November the 6th in Sacred Heart Church in Manama. He goes on to say, quote, how is it possible for a Christian who wants to live his faith not to get his or her hands dirty? Close quote, Pope, the Pope reiterated, going on to say, on the contrary, we received a spirit of prophecy to proclaim the gospel by our living witness. Amen. I would say amen to that. We, we are to proclaim the gospel. Um, however, here's a headline out of LifeSite News. It says, Pope Francis preaches fraternity divorce from Catholicism at interfaith meetings in Bahrain. The article points out right away that at no time during the course of these meetings he had with Muslim leaders did he mention the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that he proclaimed what the church teaches about who it is, its mission, its mandate, to save souls, to make disciples of all nations. None of that was, was discussed. Fraternity was on the agenda. It says, quote, on Friday, Pope Francis took part in a number of events as part of his apostolic journey to Bahrain, including the closing ceremony of the Bahrain Forum for Human Coexistence, a private meeting with Grand Imam of Al-Azhar, now the Pope's regular supporter at such events, a meeting with the Muslim Council of Elders, and the Ecumenical Meeting for Peace. At all of his public meetings, Pope Francis made repeated calls for, quote, fraternity, dialogue, and peace, close quote, adding to this a call for unity in diversity. 
The 85-year-old pontiff did not mention his belief in Jesus Christ during the interfaith addresses, speaking of the Savior only during a meeting with other Christians. While the transcript of his numerous addresses contain limited quotations from Scripture, selectively used and truncated in order to promote the theme of unity, Francis's various speeches chiefly drew from the 2019 Abu Dhabi document of of infamy, I would argue, uh, on human fraternity, which he drew up with the Grand Imam, along with other ecumenical texts. So he had an opportunity, a golden one, I would argue, an incredible one, with, I would say, charity and even some some uh, diplomatic deference he could still have preached the good the true and the beautiful to these leaders in the muslim community there was an opportunity there was he being uh romans 14 saint paul like instead of galatians 3 saint paul like where in galatians 3 he confronts saint peter to his face whereas in romans 14 he he says, I don't want to be a stumbling block to my Christian uh, Judaizer brothers. So it's interesting to look at this scenario and try to really understand where the Pope is coming from. But in thinking about all of this, I got to thinking about my time with the former apostolic nuncio of, uh, of Arabia. He has now since gone on, and we pray for the repose of his soul. But the late, Ar- the late Bishop Camillo Balin. I got to meet this guy, and I spent some time talking to him. I interviewed him. And, in fact, if I can find that interview, because it's now several years old, five, six years old at least, I will send that in this week's email uh, to the TDT Insider. So if you want to get access to that, make sure you're on our email list. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. But I remember meeting Bishop Camillo Palin. He was an Italian he was assigned to, to uh, be a pastor to all the Catholics in the Arabian Peninsula. And there was great politics going on because the king in Bahrain wanted to uh, play a little game with his, his uh, friends over in Saudi Arabia. So he would play nice with Catholics and to the point where he allowed the Catholic Church to build a cathedral, the first ever, on the peninsula, much to the consternation of the Saudi Arabians. The king in Bahrain thought this was fun, thought this was good times. It's not that he loved the Catholic Church or the faith or agreed to it. It's that he wanted to play politics. But Bishop uh, Balin said, you know what, this is an opportunity. I'm going to strike while it's uh, an opportunity. So he came to the United States and he fundraised. He tried to raise money, which he did, to build this cathedral. And while he was here, I got to meet him and speak with him and, and spend time with him. And I was, I was pretty impressed, to be honest with you. I don't know much about this man's past, his connections, his politics, or any of the rest. But I did ask him some questions about how the Catholic faith is lived in the peninsula of Arabia. I asked him, for instance, how many priests do you have? How many are you allowed to have? And you know what he said to me? He said, listen, I can have as many as I want, so long as they are engineers, nurses, or other types of occupations, because I sneak them into the country. They can't come here as Catholic priests. They have to come here as an engineer, come here as a nurse, or a doctor, or something else. And he said that they would uh, be incognito. They would wear crucifixes under their collars, 
under their shirt collars. They didn't wear uh, clerics. They didn't wear a habit. They had to wear uh, civilian clothes. And they would uh, have underground masses in, in houses. And neighbors would be on the lookout. And they would call the cops. And they would come in and they would arrest everybody. So when the priest showed up, they would, he would flash up his collar to reveal the crucifix to fellow Christians. He had, I can't remember how many he said he had, two or three million uh, Catholics that were under his care from nations all over the country. Because in Saudi Arabia, they don't do the dirty work themselves. That's left for Filipinos to do or other Catholics from other parts of the world. So you had all of these nations coming in that he had to deal with. So all of their languages, all of their cultures, that he had to manage all of that. One time he told me that he had some priests that were all, like, acting like tourists because they had we were new and, and they wanted to go check out the sites. They were dressed incognito and they were taking pictures of the parliament building and they got arrested for doing it and thrown in jail. A few days later they were released. They reported to the bishop and the bishop asked them, what did you do while you were in jail? We preached the gospel to these Muslim prisoners. The bishop said, great, go back and keep preaching. That was his response. He told me about how he would have to sneak into Saudi Arabia in order to offer the Holy Mass and the sacraments there. And what he would do is he would take his mass kit and he would break it up into smaller chunks and put them in different cars so they would convoy into the country. And this way, if any one car got busted and everything confiscated, then it wouldn't be the entire mass kit that got taken from them. Now, I personally have friends who have uh, gone uh, to uh, the Arabian Peninsula as Catholics They were there for their work, and everything they owned that was Catholic was confiscated from them. So I find it very fascinating that this man, uh, Bishop Camillo Balen, God rest his soul, he actually desired the conversion of souls. He worked towards this as best he could under the circumstances he had. Now, again, I don't know anything about this man's personal life. I never looked into it. But I was always impressed with his, what seemed to me, sincere desire for the conversion of souls and how he would try to do whatever he could. He had a compound. He didn't have a series of buildings. He had a compound, and they built little lean-tos around the walls, and that would be the CCD class over there, and that would be catechism over there. I mean, the, the choir would meet over here under this lean-to. I mean, he did whatever he could. And when he got the chance to build a cathedral, he decided to go after it. And I'm glad that they actually did finally do uh, get this done. So I say all that to say now, I think of St. Francis. And when St. Francis came to visit uh, the Muslims in Egypt, because it was the Fifth Crusade, he did support the Fifth Crusade. Muslims were slaughtering Christians. It was pretty gruesome. But there is a book by Frank Rega called St. Francis of Assisi and the Conversion of the Muslims. And in a conversation back in 2008 with the author of this book, LifeSite News asked him about this faithful meeting between St. Francis of Assisi and this, uh, this Muslim leader out of Egypt. <clears throat> and like, what was his deal? St. Francis was smart. He had prudential judgment. He didn't, uh, when he was uh, captured and taken before this man, he did not, uh, he did not uh, put a finger in his eye, let's just say. He was very, he was very uh, diplomatic. Peace be upon you. 
he made some statements similar to what the Muslims would use in their Assalamu alaikum, which eased tensions and probably saved his, his head uh, from being chopped off. But then he preached Jesus Christ. He preached the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to this Muslim commander. So impressed was this Muslim commander that he did not kill uh, St. Francis and allowed him to walk freely among the camp. And eventually, St. Francis, a few days later, uh, departed back for Italy. St. Francis was fully prepared to become a martyr in this situation. He was, he was hoping for it. He was expecting it. But that was not God's holy will. So St. Francis uh, had both uh, deference, he had uh, prudential judgment, but he also had boldness and courage to take this opportunity that is so rare to preach to the sultan, to have an opportunity to plant a seed in the heart of this man, his court, his generals, his servants. I mean, who knows? And there is even a story that it might be possible that this sultan, this Egyptian sultan, converted on his deathbed. If so, if that is true, then it is because of the boldness of St. Francis of Assisi, who is not the hippie saint that so many have made him out to be. He's a truly incredible saint. So where is uh, Pope Francis in all of this? I don't know. I can't say, I can't speak for his, or I can't read his mind or read his heart, but I can say it does look like a missed opportunity at the best, and at worst, he's playing to the hand of a globalist uh, uh, ideal of fraternity that seems to equate all religions as equal, but that is truly not the truth, because the truth is a person. The truth is Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. And his last command to his disciples before ascending into heaven was to go and make disciples of all nations, to baptize them. His holiness had an opportunity. It doesn't seem he took it. Let's pray for him. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. This is Dale Offquist with a Chesterton Minute. How many times have you heard someone talk about how important it is to be progressive? Have you ever asked them what they mean by that? G.K. Chesterton says, Progress is a useless word, for progress takes for granted an already defined direction, and it's exactly about the direction that we disagree. We can't have progress until we've stated what our goal is, and then we can determine whether or not we're moving closer to it or farther from it. The real question is not whether we are progressive, but what is our goal? My goal is to get to heaven and to help others get there too. What's yours? Want Chesterton for more than a minute? Visit our website at chesterton.org. Uh, first off, I'd just like to say um, I did uh, five years in prison in Texas, and thanks to the Guadalupe Radio Network down there and your ministry, there is a lot of us getting back on track. And especially a big thank you to all your donors who donate to the network, and uh, it really helps a lot of us felons find the way and find that uh, the Catholic truth and get back on track. So really thank you for that. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.
Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now more headlines. The Postmillennial reports Arizona water supply dries up due to foreign-owned farms hogging supply. Arizona's La Paz community is experiencing its worst drought in 1,200 years. The small communities of Salome and Wendon are facing a particularly bad water crisis as foreign-owned farms drain the area's groundwater. To make matters worse, the crops produced by these farms, which are owned by a company from the United Arab Emirates, are mostly shipped out of country instead of feeding back into the local economy. The Daily Signal reports American fitness has national security implications. It's time to take it more seriously, they say. Fiscal year 2023 is projected to be the most difficult year for military recruiting since the inception of the all-volunteer force in 1973. Every branch of the military is reporting extreme challenges in recruiting enough volunteers to fill their ranks. Not only are fewer people volunteering, but there are fewer eligible Americans to recruit as the prevalence of obesity grows and disqualifies an ever-increasing number from military service. In 2010, 30% of adults between 18 and 39 suffered from obesity. In 2020, just 10 years later, that statistic had skyrocketed to 36.3% and is expected to continue to rise to 43% by 2030. And LifeSite reports ancient Christian monastery discovered in Middle East, and it predates the emergence of Islam. An ancient Christian monastery discovered earlier this week was in use before the founding of the Islamic religion that now dominates the Middle East. On Thursday, officials of the United Arab Emirates announced that the country had uncovered its second ancient monastery, which is said to date back between the 6th and the 8th centuries. Archaeologists speculate that the site was constructed between 534 and 656 AD, which indicates it was built before Muhammad was born in roughly 570 AD. Remains of the monastery suggest Christians prayed within a single aisle church, which had additional rooms for baptisms and baking wafers for Holy Communion. Individual cells or rooms for monks were also found. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Joining us right now from Pathios is uh, Dennis Knapp. He writes over there at pathios.com. And recently, there's been a lot of concern from a lot of, I would say, a tremendous amount of Catholics who aren't feeling listened to especially during all of these listening sessions with the Synod on Synodality. And not to mention the people they are listening to seem to be people who really hate church teaching. And uh, there's a, a lot of concern here. Dennis Snap joins us now. Good morning to you, Dennis. Thank you. Can you hear me? Yeah, praise be to God. We're grateful okay. for your time today. You have an article out there uh, this morning, uh, several articles, actually. One is uh, entitled, The Church Has Failed. Let us know what you're thinking here. Well, um, as everybody knows, we get these, uh, when we're mass, we get these announcements. Well, we did get the announcements before about these listening sessions. And I was under the impression when I was at mass that these listening sessions were about, hey, this, how can the church better serve you? Uh, it wasn't anything about doctrine. It wasn't anything about dogma. Nothing was going to be changing in terms of um, what the church is going to teach. Uh, but it's just like, hey, this is how we're going to better serve you. And then if you look at what Pope Francis wrote in his encyclical uh, about the, uh, the synod of synodality, it was basically about, hey, how can I better serve you? But if you look at the document that was produced by the U.S. Uh, listening sessions, it's called the synthesis. It's a long, it's a long title. I'm not going to go into that, how, how long it is. But when you read that document, it basically reads like a 
uh, a list of things that want they want to change, including how we address human sexuality, how we address uh, uh, people who are remarried uh, within the within the church but don't get annulment, how we address uh, the LGBTQ community, um, basically de-emphasizing church doctrine and dogma. Uh, and moral teachings in light of how to be a more of a welcoming church. And so I looked at this and I was like, this is not how I look at the church. And I, I was wondering if I'm kind of alone. And so <laughs> my recent one about how the church failed was if you also read that doc, read that document, it's like, do Catholics even understand how doctrine and dogma develops over time and how the doctrine and, and, and dogma can develop and change within the Catholic Church and understand that the Catholic Church doesn't change doctrine or dogma. It, it develops it, uh, as, as St. Uh, Cardinal Henry, Henry Newman explained in his uh, essay on doctrinal development. It develops over time. It can't contradict what comes before. It must be in line with the deposit of faith handed down by the apostles. And therefore, if we try to change it and it doesn't align with what's in the past, it's actually a, an innovation and a corruption. And so everything I read in this document about yeah. uh, the changes are basically what Newman would call a corruption. Mm. But it, it, the, the document, my, my concern with the document is, and all the documents that are going to be, or all the syntheses that are going to be accumulated around the world, this is just from the U.S. This was just presented to the USCCB. And it makes it sound like all the faithful in the U.S. want these changes. Right. Yes. I was, that's my that's my problem. I was going to uh, bring that up because uh, we've heard reports of many Catholics around the country who have gone to listening sessions with the intent of expressing a desire for fidelity to Holy Mother Church and her timeless teaching. Uh, she is the same yesterday, today, and forever because she is united to her Savior, Jesus Christ. And yet there seems to have been many reports that uh, the, the uh, conclusions were already written before the listening sessions were even held. And not everywhere, but of course, in many places, it seems like that is the case. Are you also seeing that? I was not aware of that. But also, if you look down in who were part of the listening set or like who were part of the organization of listening sessions, and you look at the like the credentials of the people that were that were called upon. And I'm, I'm not against like social justice and peace and, and that sort of thing, but if you look at all the people that were in dif different regions, it was all, hey, who's the leading this listening session? It's the director of peace and, and what you know, uh, basically a social justice uh, leader within that region was yeah. the one that was in charge of that listening session. And so w when I was looking at the document, I also came, I, I came across some things I, I wanted to point out too. I, I didn't point this out in my, doc in my articles, but the word marginalized appears five times. In, in, the, in the document, the word polarization appears five times. The word welcoming appear, appears eight times. And the word justice appears 15, 13 times. And anybody familiar with the, with the history of like social movements in the United States, mm -hmm. marginalized means a certain thing to certain people. And it's basically comes out of the social movements of the 70s, which talks about power. Like people who are marginalized don't have power. And those who marginalize them do have power. And so the church is basically, I feel like, baptizing in a way that kind of social justice, well, in, in, in a very 
certain way of looking at social justice to buy into that fact that the church is this powerful institution that looks at other people that don't fall in line with are not faithful or like you said fidelity to holy mother church and they exclude them yeah because she has standards and all christians all catholics are required to live up to those standards you me rudy adrian all of us are expected or are called to holiness by by god not not necessarily i mean church calls us to holiness but they call it it calls us to holiness because of god's god calls us to holiness yeah and you you know we're supposed to encounter uh people the lost the marginalized as, as you mentioned i mean yes we're supposed to do this but ultimately meeting people where they're at does not equate to letting them stay there we're, we meet people where they're at in the complexity and the the dirtiness of a sinful nature, but we're supposed to get them to heaven. Like, that's the goal. That's the mission of the church. And yet, it would seem, it would seem that there are many within the church hierarchy that, that are no longer willing to take them to where they're supposed to go, but rather let them stay there. Are you seeing that as well? Yeah, the, the, I, I, in my recent article about the church has failed us, I, I point out an example from Ireland that's kind of going around right now, kind of viral, where a retired priest uh, visits a church and he gives a homily about sin yeah. and about holiness and about how we need to be faithful to to what God is calling us to because we are all trying to get to the same place. Mm. We're all trying to go to heaven. And he was uh, corrected by his bishop, saying that that's not how the that's not a Christian message. What, what I think the bishop was trying to say, just to be more charitable to the bishop, was, hey, the way he presented it was not very uh, pastoral, if you will. And so he just laid out Catholic doctrine and dog, you know, he laid out the dog the doctrine of sin, forgiveness, and repentance. Uh, and and, he, and it was everything he said was totally in line with what the church teaches. There's nothing he said that was not. The problem is is that the bishop, when when priests do that and they're not backed up by their bishop, it gives the faithful or, or it, it sows confusion. And in the last appeal I do in my uh, my article, the church has failed us, is I address bishops directly, and I call them the shepherds of our souls because that's their primary responsibility. Their primary responsibility is helping me get into heaven. If they don't do that, then God's going to hold them more accountable because that's their main job. Yes. Um, yeah, that's, exactly. So I'm appealing to them. I'm saying, listen, if, if, if you don't want to help me get to heaven because uh, it's my soul, maybe, maybe, maybe look at your own and think about your own. Hold that thought. Dennis Knapp is our yeah. guest. Pathios.com is the website. We're talking about the Synod on Synodality and listening and whether or not many are being listened to or just ignored like traditional Catholics, for instance. All of that and more is coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. Catholic Radio was there for me when I needed it. Even though I didn't think I needed it, it was there for me. I want everybody to know that I'm giving, not so that I can sit there and say that I gave the GRN for any other reason but this. I want that radio station to be there for anyone else who needs it also. They may not think they need it, but it's going to be there for them, whether it's in the future, whether it's right now. I want that radio station to always be there for them, just like it was there for me. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the Bible sufficient to answer all questions about Christian living and church life? Well, the answer is definitively no. There isn't agreement on scores of doctrinal issues, such as the effects of baptism, who can receive communion, once saved, always saved, abortion, or how about eligibility for marriage after divorce? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, fruit analysis. Luther, Calvin, and Zwingli, who are the fathers of non-Catholic Christianity, did not rid the unbiblical practices they despised, but instead turned out to be the progenitors of some 50 denominations and scores of divergent beliefs. Secondly, natural reason. Well, if the Bible alone is supposed to clarify all beliefs, the very fact that such division prevails is actually proof that an arbiter of doctrine is desperately needed. And thirdly, the golden twins. Sacred scripture and sacred tradition will always prevail as the foundation of all Christian truth, doctrines, and beliefs. Remember, identical twins come from one egg. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you, praise be to God. We're talking with Dennis Knapp from Pathios.com. Here's a, a quote Dennis uh, quoted from Cardinal Mueller. He says, quote, They, the farmers of the, uh, the framers rather, they, the framers of the U.S. document, are dreaming of another church that has nothing to do with the Catholic faith, and they want to abuse this process for shifting the Catholic Church, and not only in another direction, but in the destruction of the Catholic Church. Nobody can make an absolute shift and substitute the revealed doctrine of the Church, but they have these strange ideas as doctrine, as only a theory of some theologians, close quote Cardinal Mueller. Uh, Dennis, welcome back to the program. Some are speaking out. And uh, yet we still see some like Cardinal Holarek over in Europe, as well as others, Casper and many others, fully embracing. I, I still don't understand why they stay Catholic. I mean, there are other options. You could just go and become an Anglican, Episcopalian, any other brand of Christianity, and you almost, they almost all embrace all of this shenanigans. But these people feel the need to, uh, to do this stuff from within. Do they not? Yeah, and it's funny. I wrote an article about allow me to introduce you to the Episcopal Church. That's yeah. kind of a tongue in cheek, like you know, hey, if you want these things, they're they're out there for you. Uh, you don't have to necessarily stay in the church and change her from the inside, because honestly, change is impossible. Uh, that's why I want to. And I also use uh, Pope Francis's words from that encyclical, stating that this is not for doctrinal change. Another thing, when you look at the syn the synodal path in Germany. My big concern, too, is they're going to try to use a Catholic understanding called the census fidelium, mm -hmm. which if, and this is the biggest concern I have, if enough Catholics from around the world produce these synthesis calling for change, then the, according to the census fidelium, according to some people's look at the census fidelium, then the faithful all around the world, all these, uh, all these, local listening sessions, all these synthesis are calling for change. So Pope Francis must listen to us if that's the way they look at that. That's the way he's understanding census fidelium. You know, it's so, interesting that yeah. you bring that up because that's a major problem with uh, the synod, right? Is because they're saying we want everyone to participate, even non-Catholics, apostates, heretics, 
people who have left the faith, people who have only gone to church once a year. But by the very term, the census fidelium, the sense of the faithful implies that you're it's part of those who are faithful. Now, I mean, not saying that you have to be perfect, but you have to be a practicing Catholic, meaning you're trying to be a good Catholic. And the other thing is, I for, I'm forgetting the citation, I'm trying to remember, but there was uh, one of the popes who said that the teachings of the church can never be understood in a way that it was not originally intended. It cannot be understood in an altogether different way. And these two principles would seem to forbid any of these changes that we're seeing. Uh, what do you think about those two things? Yeah, I would think that if you look at the census fidelium in terms of the catechism of the Catholic Church, it's very clear. It lays it out. It says the census fidelium only, only is in, in, employed when the bishops, priests, deacons, the magisterium of the church, and the faithful come together. And, and they basically affirm which, what was handed down through the Holy Spirit. The magisterium of the church needs to direct or guide the faithful because they have the, the special gift by the Holy Spirit of infallibility. Uh, it, so there, there's this, the faithful cannot be infallible. And like I said, even Pope Francis in his encyclical said, we cannot, the faithful cannot be, be manipulated or, or, or go towards the, the logic of the world or current public opinion. It cannot be influenced by that. But when you read the synthesis, that's what it seems to be. The synthesis seems to be what does the church want to change now? And it reflects everything that we see that those who are mm. dissenting from the church want to change. Now, Dennis, uh, let me let me just play devil's advocate here. Uh, I, I've i kind of lived in, in, in a corporate environment for a long time. Uh, when I left it, uh, one of the, the, the really popular things to do was to produce these listening sessions and say, look, we want to hear your opinions on certain things. And it was just a way for people to vent. In reality, they already made their decision. Do you think that uh, they're just the, that the, the Vatican and all of these different synods have already come to a conclusion and they're just kind of letting people kind of vent about these these modern innovations that they want to bring into the church and maybe aren't actually going to do that? I, I hope not. So in all my articles I write, I'm, I'm giving the church the benefit of the doubt. I'm hoping that the Holy Spirit will, <clears throat> excuse me, will guide her and, and then that Pope Francis and the, and the cardinals and the magisterium will correct uh, the, these, these, uh, Variant, these variant thoughts from from traditional uh, Catholic teaching. Um, that's my hope. Um, I when I look at the the synod as synodality, in terms of what it was meant to do. When I like I said when I read that encyclical, it's basically hey, how can we better serve you? But it's not serving the souls of the people of God to authorize or not or, or it's more of a de-emphasis. I would say. Mm. Uh, the emphasis on certain things to make the church more welcoming. So we will teach that uh, certain sins uh, are mortal, mm. but we will not. We won't bring them up. We won't bring them up. Yeah, they'll be in our catechism on the yeah. shelf. Yeah, but you're not going <laughs> to you're yeah. not going to hear yeah, about right. it here. Uh, you know, uh, so it's basically um, it's like we're not getting what we need to be to to get to heaven, but right. 
but we're also going to be welcoming. So I look at it as like a cancer, like if someone is tragically diagnosed with stage four cancer, a doctor will look be looked upon as very unempathetic or unsympathetic towards that cancer patient because they maybe don't have cancer. But the doctor needs to tell them, listen, you need to go through this aggressive treatment or you're going to die. So here's let's let's do it. And the chemotherapy is going to be aggressive. That's like the state of our soul is that we need our bishops to tell us, listen, you're at stage four. We need we need to get this treatment going or you're going to spiritually die. Mm. And, 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 and sometimes you know, we need, to, we need the, the care and compassion of a, of a bishop to do that. But if I don't get treatment for cancer, I have no hope. It's the same thing spiritually. Well, so. I, that's the way I look at it. You know, and it has dangerous uh, implications on the world at large uh, when, when the church, when prelates, members of the church, I don't want to accuse the church of doing something. I want to accuse the individuals within the church who are making some of these decisions, when they decide to play fast and loose with morality, theology, liturgy, and the rest, it has implications on the rest of, of the world. How many Catholics who are, like, let's say, politicians today uh, have decided to also play fast and loose with morality? Uh, we see a lot more uh, Catholic politicians who are pro-life, praise be to God, they ought to be. But are they defending marriage? No, most of them not. Uh, they're not defending traditional marriage between a man and a woman, which is the fabric of community. And and so it's having dangerous consequences in the world around them. And I've always said, and uh, there's not a political solution to the problems in the world. We can't just vote goodness into the world. It has to come from Holy Mother Church. She has to, and her members have to decide to convert all souls for the salvation of souls and for the glory of God. And when that happens, good things happen in the world. And so far, it seems like we're seeing a trend in the other direction. So it's not good. Now, you started a petition because you wanted to raise awareness about all of this. Tell us about the petition. Tell us why people should sign it. Well, I started a couple things. I started a Facebook page called Voices of the Faithful in the Senate of Senatality to say, to, to offer updates on, on the things that are happening throughout the world. Like if I find an article saying what's happening in the United States or what's happening in Europe, what's happening in Australia, I'm going to post it so people are aware what's happening. So we're all in, on one page. I also started a petition on change.org uh, called I Support Catholic Teaching in the Synod of Synodality uh, to where we, we need as Catholics to let the, let the Vatican know that we are not part of that synthesis. We're not, we're not, we, we don't agree with it. We want to be faithful to the church, but we need to have something to counteract the synthesis from the, from the lay people and the faithful to say, listen, this is what we believe. Please understand that this does not reflect all of us and that we, we, we do want things to stay. And also we want you as the shepherds of our souls to help us get into heaven. So I started these two things to sort of say, hey, we need to be on the offensive in terms of like how to let the Vatican know that they have our support too. I want the bishops also to know that we support them, that we support them being bold. We support them to help us, like I said, get to heaven. Mm. And they, I think they need that encouragement because they don't feel like they have the encouragement they need. Like the, all this all mostly started because of the crisis that we experienced in the church uh, of, the, of the, the abuse crisis. And as Rahm Emanuel said back in the day, you know, you never let a good crisis go wasted basically. 
And I feel like those in the church who want to change her have looked upon this crisis, which is horrible, mm-hmm. as an opportunity for change. And so I want to let the Vatican know that you know, there are people out here that, that are faithful, and we want, we want them to, to kind of uh, – we want them not to kind of. We want them to focus on what the church teaches and help us, like I said, get to heaven. Now, I just signed the petition over at change.org, oh, nice. and I encourage uh, everyone to, uh, to consider signing this petition because the idea here is we want to make our voice heard. And that is a somewhat difficult task, especially given the current climate within uh, certain prelates of the church. But nonetheless, we should put our name on this list to say we want to be faithful to Holy Mother Church, to her timeless teaching, to convert all souls, to defend holy marriage, to defend the right to life. I mean, there's so much that the church must defend and support, and uh, we're seeing... uh, uh, I want to say slothfulness in in communicating this to the world. So what an opportunity for the rest of us. I post a link to this change.org, but is there like a short link? Do you have a short link, Dennis? Uh, I do not have a short link. I, I can provide one to you uh, if, I, if I go back to the, to the document. Uh, so it, if they go to change.org... Then uh, the rest of the link is 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 kind of complicated. That's why I don't want to I don't want to try to give it over the air because it would just be complicated. But I tell you yeah. what, go to our live video feed today. I'm posting the link there so you can see them on all the live video links, and I'll try to include it in our email this Friday as well. Dennis, God bless you, my brother from Pathios. We really appreciate you being on today. Pathios.com. Check them out. God bless you, Dennis. Have a great day. All right. Thank you. All right, that's going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to tune in next hour. Tito Edwards from BigPulpit.com is going to be on. All that and more is coming up, plus the game show. God bless you, God love you, and we'll see you at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to pray for religious vocations. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed daily for vocations to the religious life? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question if you're a non-Catholic friend. Was the Catholic Church in existence as far back as the first three centuries? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, baseball. In September 1845, the New York Knickerbocker Baseball Club was formally established and called baseball. Rules were set, included the diamond-shaped infield, foul lines, and the three-strike rule. But seven years before that, in 1775, that game was already being played on schoolyards, well before it was ever called baseball. Secondly, the Apostolic Father such as Tertullian, Clement, St. Ignatius, all wrote before 215 A.D. about the authority of the local bishop. And they used the name, the Catholic Church, which already had the liturgy, the Eucharist, the readings, the relics, a hierarchy, and jurisdiction. And thirdly, my take. To fishermen, a dolphin was just a big fish until they were termed dolphins. But they were always dolphins. And baseball was baseball well before it was termed baseball. And you will love this. The early church was the Catholic Church well before Constantine the Great, the Nicene Creed, and your church history book. Hey, Donnie, who were the first two people God created? Adam and Eve. There you go. And what did we inherit from them? 
original sin. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox. Goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to GRN. Hi, I'm Travis Wade with Property Clinic Real Estate Transformations. And you're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston. Part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 15 past the hour, it is Fear and Trembling Game Show time, where you can win prizes. It's possible. I mean, it could happen. Uh, you don't have to be Mattress Mac to win big. That's all I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> you could win big this Friday. Which, by the way, mm-hmm. the gift mm-hmm. this week yeah. is seventy-five million dollars. Might as well be because it is <laughs> wonderful. It is handmade. Whoa, I, you like craftsmanship, don't oh, you? Oh, I love craftsmanship. I think we yeah. should return mm-hmm. to craftsmanship. Mm-hmm. No more of this manufactured, mm-hmm. mass-manufactured stuff. Yeah, handmade only, baby. Really? So you're going to want to call in? Okay. Okay. Uh, does it involve leather? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, wow. It smells Can you smell that? Yeah, do you smell the leather? Oh, yeah. Brand new leather, freshly tanned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Guys, good stuff. Anyway. Y'all heard the breaking news? Oh, what's oh, the breaking no, news? No. The breaking it? news is that the Philadelphia chicken man has officially eaten his 40th entire rotisserie chicken. <laughs> In what, like... Two days or <laughs> no? So there's this guy <laughs> on social media, awkward, but okay, <laughs> who's been going out in public and standing up on a table uh-huh. in front of the public in Philadelphia, yeah, and eating an entire rotisserie chicken. So let me understand this. <laughs> let me just wrap my head around what you just said. You're saying that in Philadelphia, not only is the crime worse than Chicago, not, <laughs> yes. not only does the FBI arrest pro-lifers there, right. not only do they uh, oppress the, the traditional Carmelite nuns there, that's not only are they Wait, trying to get Fetterman in there, not only did we just defeat them in the World Series, <laughs> but also... There is a guy who eats nothing but rotisserie chickens. Yeah, he eats an entire rotisserie chicken Got it. in public every day, Got and he it. just did it for the 40th day in a row. Got it. So, breaking news. You're Bre- welcome. Breaking news. I know everybody was <laughs> on the edge of their seats thinking, did the Philly man eat the rotisserie chicken? <laughs> that should be done in a movie voice. <laughs> did the Philly man eat his fifth rotisserie chicken? 41st today. For, for, for fifth? 40, well, I said, yeah. You said 41st. I said fifth. Yikes. Yeah. I was way off. Attention. Way off. It's a big deal. It reminds me of the, uh, the the big, huge 72-ounce steak challenge in Amarillo. Oh, it I saw that. Looks, I've been to the restaurant. I've witnessed this firsthand. Yeah, I was there. I it, went there, too. It looks like a loaf of bread. It's insane. It's huge. <laughs> it's huge. I would never the, eat all of The it. guy sitting there, it was hilarious watching him because mm-hmm. he has to like sign his thing so people can like go up and talk to him, take pictures yeah. of him and stuff. Yeah. And uh, this guy sitting at the table trying to eat that steak yeah. at, at like 30 minutes in, right. he just puts his stuff down. He looks <laughs> like, totally defeated. He just, yeah. like slumps down into his chair and is like... <laughs> 
totally defeated. I know, and there's a clock above his head. I mean, they put him up on a stage. They have like an hour to get the entire meal eaten. You have to eat not just the 72-ounce steak, but you have to eat the sides, the bread, the drink. And, and the you, salad. And the rules are you can't get up, you can't throw up, you can't go to the bathroom. <laughs> you got to do it all in one sitting. And if you do it, if you can get it done, and you do it in front of everybody. Like, everybody's watching you. Yeah, it's awkward. And if you do it, uh, then you don't have to pay for the meal. If, however... How much does it cost? It's $100 for the meal. Uh, So you get it for free if you can eat it all, but you also get a T-shirt. So, hey... There's and they put that. your picture up. The ROI yeah. doesn't seem like it's worth it. <laughs> yeah. Allegedly, uh, allegedly, yeah. a like 120 pound mm-hmm. woman. Yes, uh, I've heard this too. Ate the whole thing twice, and like, yeah, and like, I think it was like 16 minutes or eight minutes, something ridiculous. She, she like ate that. two of them yes. within an hour because I the when what? I heard the story, she was a uh, a professional food uh, competition eater. Wow, and she was able to com- uh, expand and contract her stomach on demand. That, that's insanity because the steak probably weighs like a quarter of her weight. She was only like 120 pounds. Sounds painful, that's Im- that it sounds, sounds impossible. Disgusting. It also it sounds, sounds like, like the sin of gluttony. Yeah, she's, she's, on that, yeah. she's on that carnivore diet. She's not on the same diet as me, I can tell you that. <laughs> I mean, uh, yesterday I had one meal and it was probably too much, and I felt like junk for the rest of the day. Oof. I can't imagine what one would feel like after eating 72-ounce steak. Brutal. Just, yeah, it feels brutal. And I love steak, but... Man, not that much. Crazy times, praise be to God. Hey, by the way, if you're looking for a better URL for that uh, petition that Dennis Knapp has started over at change.org, here's one. Go to tinyurl.com forward slash I support church teaching. tinyurl.com forward slash I support church teaching. All one word there, so check that out. Uh, but joining us right now via Zoom chat is our good friend Tito Edwards from BigPulpit.com. Good morning, Tito. How many 72-ounce steaks have you eaten in your life? Not uh, none at all. Well, you have not That's lived yet, a- sir. <laughs> I need you to get on a plane, immediately go to Amarillo, and we're going to live stream you eating a 72-ounce steak. How's that sound? I can do it. <laughs> Famous last words. How is your my beer? How's your arm, by the way? Oh, it's 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 improving uh, very well. Thank you for asking. Uh, the therapy is going good. Unfortunately, I have to wear the sling for a few more months. So, uh, good times. Good times. Praise <laughs> be to God. Speaking of needing therapy, apparently Columbus, Ohio is about to close 19 churches. That's, that's pretty much a lot. So, what's going on there? They, they did a study in, in Columbus, Ohio, of what the church would be like in 2030. And currently, they have something along the lines of 85 priests for 105 uh, parishes. And they're looking at that uh, uh, retracting to two thirds to what it was before. And, and uh, that's, that's less than a, that's like about (laughs) almost half a priest per parish. So they came up with this number of 19 parishes uh, that they'll, they'll, they probably may be needing to uh, close. And so uh, the news just came out before the weekend started. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how the parishioners react, uh, how proactive they'll be. But, but it is a sign of the times of the, the Catholic Church here in America. 
Yeah, I having experienced something of this nature, not quite 19, but when I was uh, becoming Catholic up in New England, they went through a major sex abuse scandal there in 2001 under cardinal law. And then uh, my bishop, Bishop McCarrick at the time, was deeply involved in all of that uh, scandal. Uh, but, but, but to be honest with you, by the time those churches, after the scandal broke, uh, by the time those churches were being consolidated, closed, and sold off, uh, there was hardly anybody going to them anyway. You know, I remember having a conversation with a coworker at the time who was mad that the church was selling the church, selling a parish that she had uh, become uh, Catholic, or she was baptized in, received her sacraments in. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, you know, is that the church you guys go to? She goes, oh, no, we don't go to church. I just don't <laughs> want them to sell it. And I looked at her, I'm like, well, then you buy it. You maintain it. I mean, good, like, but this is what we're dealing with here. Um that this is a symptom of a greater problem. Would you agree, Tito Edwards? Yes, I, I do. I, I recall reading and, and watching some news videos uh, when Boston was doing some rounds of, of uh, church closings, and there the the elderly couples were very were visibly upset. Yeah, and and they were protesting and and they were uh, squatting in the churches. Uh, but an interesting question came up from uh, another Catholic analyst that the name escapes me. They were so devoted to the church. What happened to these same couples? What, did they not raise their children Catholic? Did they not, did they, did they not uh, give them the love of Christ in their hearts? Because the family is a foundation for vocations. And so the question arises, you know, what was their attachment? It was a just uh, nostalgia, like like the person you were talking to, they didn't even attend mass, yeah. and they were upset that the church that the church was closing. So there is a disconnect uh, mm-hmm. between the parishioners and their parish, and so it, it it shows part of the root of the problem is what's going on, what has happened the last sixty years, the last two and a half generations of Americans, where where even even. Uh, cafeteria Catholics or, or cultural Catholics have lost their love of Jesus or have forgotten what their role was in the family to raise uh, practicing Catholic children. Now, Tito, it's, it really is devastating to have that many churches closed down. And, you know, it's, it's obviously pointing to this uh, reality that there's not a lot of people going there. However, uh, Pope Benedict, when he was still Pope, he mentioned that the church was going to be it's going to become pretty small. Is there, a, you think, maybe a benefit to consolidating all these different people and all these different parishes into one? Um, like, what happens I, to I the think... priests, right? I mean, the the priests who uh, are in care of those particular churches. Uh, I mean, couldn't they, couldn't they just all come together and and better serve the flock? Well, there there's a lack of priests. Uh, there's a lack of vocations, and. Uh, uh, t- to be honest, I, I I feel compassion for the priests because they all they are already overworked. Mm, yeah. So having one less parish to to uh, to administer is it would be a relief to them. Here in the Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston, we have I believe three or four priests for twenty parishes in the Galveston yeah. uh, Island area, or yeah. ten parishes. So uh, it, it is a workload for them. Yeah, that's a big deal. Um, perhaps a good idea, and uh, I'm just thinking about this because I know a few communities who do things like this, and maybe it might be good for the, the health in terms of like the spiritual health and the mental health of the priest and for the benefit of the faithful 
perhaps it would be a good idea to maybe turn these churches into chapels rather than shut them down and then move the priest in together to have like a sort of oratory where they live and work and pray together during the week. And then on the weekends, they go out to the various chapels around their diocese and provide the sacraments to the faithful. Um, perhaps that might be an idea that would be uh, beneficial to everyone. Uh, what, what do you think about that, uh, Tito Edwards? That is an outstanding idea. I also want to uh, build up on that, uh, extend that. Why not, uh, instead of selling, like you said, instead of selling it to, to a, a, a non-Catholic use, give it to a branch of Catholicism that is thriving. Why mm-hmm. not offer it to a TLM community or to one of the Eastern yeah. Rites yeah. that are flourishing, that are in need of a parish, or or maybe even the uh, Ordinariate, the Walsingham Ordinariate in England, the, the Chair of St. Peter Ordinariate here in America and in Canada. There are numerous orders, there are numerous uh, ministries out there that are flourishing and are in dire need of their own community center mm-hmm. slash chapel slash church. So there are optimum opportunities to continue to have that church in service. There's an element of scandal here in this as well, in the actual sale of the church. When I was in New England, uh, I was having a great conversation up there with uh, several people uh, similarly related to this topic. And it was the practice up in the Archdiocese of Boston for some time to sell these buildings and they would become condos or some other purpose. We see this in Europe. I'll never forget the first time I saw an image of an old church with beautiful stained glass windows, beautiful architecture that was then a tennis court. They become restaurants. Yeah, it's scandalous. And the current bishop in New Hampshire, um, to his credit, has said, I may have to sell a building, but I'm not going to sell the building to to anything else. So if it doesn't go to another Catholic organization, which he has tried to do, then he tears the building down and sells the land. I think that is, uh, is there's a lot of credit that should be given to that. Uh, but do you see that here? Is there, do you know of any plans here? Are they just going to sell the buildings? Or are they going to tear them down? Or any ideas what they're going to do with this, these 19 properties? They're, they're in the initial stages. So they, they haven't said they're closing these down. So they, I, I think they might be a, little, a bit more proactive at the Diocese of Columbus and hopefully spark some fire in the laity and in the priests and, and see uh, what can come of it. But, but I completely agree. I mean, if it's not going to be used properly, then, then, uh, desacrament, desacramentalize the, the parish, <laughs> the church, and then, uh, mow it down and sell the property because it is just, uh, it's disconcerting to see these mm-hmm. churches turned into nightclubs in yeah, New York City exactly. that I've witnessed before. And there, and there are countless, uh, Catholic families that have been endowed with riches from God that would be gla- that would gladly purchase a yeah, church, turn it exactly. into their own private chapel. Yes. So there are numerous opportunities besides selling it to non-Catholic entities that can can still be used properly right. and more, more than likely flourish in many cases. Mm-hmm. Lay faithful can step up and help uh, the funding of said chapels as well, so they can be given over to religious communities, traditional communities. And the lay faithful can help maintain those buildings. But at any rate, bigpulpit.com is the website. Tito Edwards, thank you for your time today. Always good to chat with you. God bless you and God love you. Go to bigpulpit.com for the Monday edition. It's 
It's ooch. You're going to love it. Hey, coming up after the break, it's time to play the game. I need a caller on the line right now to play that game. 877-757-9424. That phone number is 877-757-9424. Call right now. In 1 Timothy, it says that Jesus is our sole mediator, yet we pray to Mary and the saints. Is that going against the Bible? 1 Timothy 2 verse 5 says, There is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. By praying to the saints, we're accused of going against the Bible because it seems we are making the saints mediators between God and man, not just Jesus. In the Old Testament, we see that Moses, Abraham, and Job interceded on behalf of others. That's mediating between God and man. Plus, we know that it is okay to ask others here on earth to pray and intercede for us. That's mediating between God and man. So once again, we have a situation where a passage of the Bible is being misinterpreted and misunderstood. There is only one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. But as members of the body of Christ, he allows us to share in his mediation. Scripture says that we have only one foundation, Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 3.11. But Scripture says that there is more than one foundation, Ephesians 2.19 and 20. Scripture says that we have only one Lord, Jesus Christ, Ephesians 4, verses 4 and 5. But Scripture says there is more than one Lord, Revelations 19.16. Scripture says that we have only one judge, Jesus Christ, James 4, verse 12. But Scripture tells us there is more than one judge, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 2. Contradictions in Scripture? No, not when these passages are read in context. Jesus is the only foundation, Jesus is the only Lord, and Jesus is the only judge. But we are members of Jesus' body. Therefore, we are able, according to the graces given by Christ, to share in Jesus' role as foundation, as Lord and as judge, and in other aspects of Christ as well. Another example, as a father, I share in God's role as the Father by His grace. And so also the saints in heaven can and do share in Christ's role as mediator. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. A Catholic trivia game show with secrets and agendas that you're not allowed to tell anybody. All right? All right. Stop tweeting this. Don't, don't do it. Don't tell anybody what I'm about to share with you. All right? Number one, we like to teach the faith. We look for teachable moments in the questions where you just might learn something about the Catholic faith that you did not know before. Praise be to God. And I'm going to say there's a good chance you're going to at least learn one thing today. Good chance of it. And then, of course, we like to have a laugh. We like to have a chuckle. And our callers are actually a lot of fun. They laugh with us. They get our inside jokes most of the time. And I appreciate that. And then, of course, we give out prizes, which means this is a winner for everyone involved. Okay? Because you could either learn, laugh, or win, meaning everybody gets something. Praise be to God. But here's the kicker. Here is the deal. Out of the three Catholic trivia questions sitting before me, we will not be asking the caller any of these questions. It's possible 
that they may not know a single correct answer, and that is because instead of asking them, I will ask Rudy, I will ask Adrian. One of them will have a correct answer. The other will have an incorrect answer. The callers will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And then if they get that right, they go into the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Got to turn my mic on here. Good morning, everyone, and praise be to God. Our sponsor this week is Mendoza Leathercraft. Now, Mendoza Leathercraft is a small business from Tomball, Texas, that provides high-quality, unique, and custom leather products that will serve you for a long time, I dare say a lifetime. Now, Victor, who's a fellow Catholic, has generously sponsored our game show this week with a beautiful leather rosary pouch and a keychain set. And if you're looking at uh, at us, or watching us, rather, from our social media feeds, I'm going to hold it up right now, and you can see this beautiful set here. It is made of Horween's Chrome Excel leather. It's a very beautiful pull-up leather that's extremely durable and will patina very nicely over time. The color is navy. Now, make sure to check out his other wares at Mendoza Leather Craft. Dot square dot site. And I'm going to repeat that one more time. Mendoza Leathercraft dot square dot site. He's got all kinds of other things up there on his site. He's also on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. Just search for Mendoza Leathercraft. Thank you so much, Victor. Mendoza Leathercraft. Praise be to God. Thank you, Victor. You are amazing. We appreciate it. I like that you used patina to talk about. Oh, the, yeah. Like it gets better with age. Oh, it does. I saw a uh, an antique car collection in New Hampshire when I was up there, and the leather was like over 100 years oh, old. Beautiful. <sighs> Still amazing. I want God. the rust That's on my car. Mm-hmm. I want the rust on my car to patina. That would be nice. <laughs> you know, I met Victor at uh, the uh, Regina Chaley mm-hmm. Fall Festival mm-hmm. this last uh, couple weeks ago, yeah. and he has some awesome stuff i wanted some one of his belts they look really nice and i have to say victor is a really nice guy cool so praise Praise be to god God. all right let's go to the phones uh joan and daniel could this be you good morning (laughs) Mm -hmm. wow daniel said hello praise be to god i've not heard of you i haven't heard from you guys in like ages how are you we're doing great praise be to god from the great from the great city of San Antonio, uh, and of course, yeah. you guys know, because I met you, you guys know that San Antonio is great, not just because I come from there. Yes, and Daniel has been accepted to a special program at A&M San Antonio for what? three semesters. That yes. is amazing. Yeah. Congratulations, Daniel. That's awesome. Praise be to God. How are you, sir? Uh, I get it. He's well, doing real well. We are excited to hear that you're back on the show. So it's been a long time since we've had you play. Now, you know the rules. You know how this works. Uh, are you ready to go? Yes. All right. Praise Jesus. Uh, you do know I'm on your side. So Don't let's see. Him. If, Don't trust him. I, I of course, trust, am completely trust, trustworthy. Uh, let's does bit. Rudy have a tie? Rudy does not have a tie today. <gasps> yeah, I don't. Uh, if I did have one, it would be red, mm-hmm. though. hypothetical tie day okay hypothetically speaking let's start with rudy as is our custom good morning to you rudy carlos good morning are you ready sir i am ready are you sure i sure am Uh, are you sure i'm just pretending how did you know well insight insight i'm confirmed catholic so i have uh prophecy oh you have prophecy i do oh are you you yeah all of them all right, can you tell me, who is the patron saint of tax collectors? Ah, uh, come on, Joe. That's easy. That's easy. Start with an easy one, then. Okay, well, it's St. Matthew. St. Matthew. Yeah. Okay, patron saint of tax collectors. Yeah. We should pay our taxes. St. Matthew, please. 
strike down or <laughs> pray for the intercede for us that they strike down all the tax collectors right now. <laughs> Matthew, please, please pay my taxes for me. Uh, let's pray just see. Us. Let's just see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you tell me yes, who sir. is the patron saint of tax collectors? Well, yes, sir. Well, as a a doctor, uh-huh. self-identified, what? and as a CPA, and uh, and collectors actually. Really? Uh huh. So I know all about collecting. Now I know where my pens ended up. Yep. Yep, yep. Uh, one might call me a uh, eclectic guy, mm-hmm. but the the patron saint of tax collectors, I see, is Saint Taxisius. Saint Taxis, is that where the name comes from? Yes, it is. That he is was an early blowing. Roman martyr. Saint mm-hmm. Taxes didn't exist before that. I see. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, Joan and Daniel from San Antonio, Texas. You got options here. Adrian says uh, the patron saint of tax collectors is Saint Taxisius. Whereas Rudy says it's St. Matthew. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Joan and Daniel, what say you? St. Matthew. Awesome. I went to Matt there this morning at 6 a.m., so he's already been blessing Oh, me. he heard it. They <laughs> cheated. They heard it from the priest. Uh, That's awesome. All right, St. Matthew is the correct answer. Uh, praise be to God. You're in the cup. You could win. It's possible. Win again, I should say. You guys have won in the past. All right, let's see if we can get you in there twice. We're going to go to uh, Brother Adrian for this one first. Um, n- almost the hardest question ever asked. Almost. It's very, very close. Adrian. Could you tell me? Yes, I can. The answer is... Oh, oh, you haven't asked me. Sorry. <laughs> Are you a prophet too? <laughs> yeah, I can, I, I can read your mind. That Card carrying. Amazing. I know, I know. You must be a confirmed Catholic. All right, uh, what was the act by which Mary was preserved from original sin? Confirmed Catholic. Hashtag fact check confirmed. Uh, the... The, the What was the act by which Mary was preserved from original sin? That yes, would be... Sir. Immaculate conception. Immaculate mm-hmm. conception. Sure. Yes, sir. Okay, I guess. I mean, it sounds reasonable, I suppose. But let's just get a second opinion on this. Rudy, can you tell me what was the act by which Mary was preserved from original sin? Okay. Are you ready? Are you listening? I'm ready. I'm All listening. Right. I, I can't wait for you to repeat this. It's de- <laughs> deuterium depletion. I, I'm sorry. Uh, mm-hmm. What was that? Deuterium depletion is De- the theological okay. term yeah. by which Our yeah. Lady yeah. was preserved from original sin. I see. De- deuterium depletion. Yeah, you know, like uh, deutero canonical. Deuterium I see. depletion. I see. You Seems must. Legit. You must have gone to college. Yeah, of course. I can tell. I'm in debt. Please. <laughs> yeah. Please, Joe Biden, pass the... Say <laughs> <Saint> Matthew. <laughs> oh, man. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> All right. Joan and Daniel, all kidding aside, you got options here. What was the act by which Mary was preserved from original sin? Brother Rudy, no time, Rudy, is saying it's deuterium depletion, whereas Adrian says immaculate conception. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Joan and Daniel, what say you? I do. It's Immaculate Conception, Adrian. <laughs> 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 we can't trick him. Can't trick him. No curve. You're, unlike the Phillies, you're not swinging on wild balls here. Praise Ooh. be to God. Well, so, the good uh, news is it yeah. is scientifically confirmed that by mm-hmm. going with Adrian, you become smarter, more attractive. Adrian. 
wiser. What, what's this? I just got uh, a text younger, from Elon Musk. Um, all these all things. fake news, he says. All these things are true. <laughs> Trust all the science. fake news. Capital right. S, trademark over the E. Okay, here we go. Third question. And Daniel says more cowbell. More, more cowbell. <laughs> you deserve it, Daniel. All right, praise be to God. Let's go for the, a three-peat here. Let's see if we can get a perfect score for you today. Uh, this is a history question, my favorite out of all of them, but we're going to go back to Rudy. Rudy, can you tell me, what is the name of the city in France where, from 1309 to 1377, seven popes led the church while exiled from Rome? What's the name of that city? Whew, seven popes, and here we have, we had three, mm-hmm. now we have two. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that was Avignon. A- Avignon. Yes. Avignon. Is it Avignon? Uh, Avignon. Avignon. Oh, yeah. You got to drag that last part out. Oh. 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 Wee wee. Wee wee. All right, Adrian, I know you're an expert in all things Francais. Could you tell me what is the name of the city in France where from 1309 to 1377, seven popes led the church while exiled from Rome? Yes, I can. The uh, the name in France, mm-hmm. where the thirteen oh nine to thirteen seventy seven was mm-hmm. the, was known as the Conseil Cité. Um, was that was oh, that what? in English? That was French. Uh, say it one more time. Conseil Cité. <laughs> you know the famous French city. Ah uh, yes. What was it one more time? Just one more time. Conseil Cité. Okay. That's how you say it. I'm really good at French. I'm well I can known. tell. Well known for my French okay. accent. All right, to Joan and Daniel. Is it as Adrian says? Constances. Nailed it. Or was it Avignon, as Rudy suggests? 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Joan and Daniel, what say you? No, no, no. Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. <laughs> Avignon, Avignon. You didn't want to go to Kansas City? Oh, that's what that was. <laughs> I couldn't understand a word you were saying. Avignon is the correct answer. Sorry, Avignon. French people. Yeah, thank you, Please Teresa of Avila, for smacking some sense into His Holiness and getting him back to Rome, by the way. Hey, or is it Catherine of Siena? Catherine of Siena. Catherine of Siena. God bless you. God love you, Joan and Daniel. Thanks for playing our game. It's great to hear your voices again. God bless you. We're going to put you on hold. Have a great day, Daniel. That's super cool. Daniel got a nice sweet gig at AM in San Antonio. Hey, that's going to do it for the radio side. Join us on the after show. God bless you and God Thank love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today is Monday in the 32nd week of Ordinary Time. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. Faith of our fathers living still In spite of dungeon, fire, and sword 
Oh, how our hearts beat high with joy whene'er we hear that glorious word. Faith of our Father's holy faith, we will be true to Thee till death. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. the Lord be with you. We offer this Mass in a special way for vocations to the Holy Priesthood in this Vocation Awareness Week. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, who willed to provide shepherds for your people, pour out in your church a spirit of piety and fortitude to raise up worthy ministers for your altars and make them ardent yet gentle heralds of your gospel. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. reading from the beginning of the letter of St. Paul to Titus. Paul, a slave of God and apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's chosen ones and the recognition of religious truth, in the hope of eternal life, that God, who does not punish, the God who does not lie, promised before time began, who indeed, at the proper time, revealed his word in the proclamation with which I was entrusted by the command of God our Savior. To Titus, my true child in our common faith, grace and peace from God, the Father and Jesus Christ our Savior. For this reason I left you in Crete, so that you might set right what remains to be done, and appoint presbyters in every town as I directed you, on condition that a man be blameless, married only once with believing children, who are not accused of licentiousness or rebellious. For a bishop, as God's steward, must be blameless, not arrogant, not irritable, not a drunkard, not aggressive, not greedy for sordid gain, but hospitable, a lover of goodness, temperate, just, holy, and self-controlled, holding fast to the true message as taught, so that he will be able both to exhort with sound doctrine and to refute opponents. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Lord, this is the people that longs to see your face. Lord, this is the people that longs to see your face. The Lord's are the earth and its fullness, the world and those who dwell in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Lord, this is the people that longs to see your face. Who can ascend the mountain of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He whose hands are sinless, whose heart is clean, who desires not what is vain. Lord, this is the people that longs to see your face. He shall receive a blessing from the Lord, a reward from God his Savior. Such is the race that seeks for him, that seeks the face of the God of Jacob. Lord, this is the people that longs to see your face. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Shine like lights in the world as you hold on to the word of life. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, Things that cause sin will inevitably occur but woe to the one through whom they occur. It would be better for him if a millstone were put around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than for him to cause one of these little ones to sin. Be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he wrongs you seven times in one day and returns to you seven times saying, I am sorry, you should forgive him. The apostles said to, to the Lord, increase our faith. The Lord replied, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In that first reading, we hear St. Paul writing to Titus. Titus, along with Timothy, were kind of St. Paul's alter egos. And he sent them as like apostolic nuncios, setting Titus, we hear, to Crete, in order to, to continue the faith that Paul had begun, or that he had begun to instill in the people. And then he instructs Titus to begin to make uh, presbyters and bishops, those who, of course, if it's sort of the presbyters and bishops, we understand it today, it might have been just slightly different, but the idea was to, to set up leaders in the community that can help to pass on the faith. Um, it's interesting that, you know, St. Paul, he probably wasn't really interested in flow charts and all these different things, but he was rather interested is to, keep, to continue to path on, pass on the faith that these people would be at the service of the gospel, would be those that could be entrusted with leading the people in very small communities around and then somebody who would sort of oversee it. And then you have Titus, as I said, sort of the apostolic nuncio, who is uh, sort of continuing to bring the message that Paul wants to give to the church there in, in Crete. But already you have this very beginning sort of kernel structure of, of the church. And as St. Paul instructs Titus to appoint presbyters, people who are blameless, 
um, married one, only once, have believing children, not accused of licentiousness or rebelliousness. And then for the bishops, that they have, you know, they need to be not greedy, uh, hospitable, lovers of goodness, temperate, just, holy, and self-controlled, holding fast to the true message as taught, uh, so that he will be able to exhort and, with sound doctrine and refute opponents. That's that's a pretty lofty <laughs> uh, job description, or at least uh, qualifications, right, for somebody to be both a presbyter and a bishop. Of course, we note that St. Paul says they see that both of them only need to be married once. Of course, in the very early church, you didn't have the ability to appoint people who were, getting, who were celibate. That was just not available at that time. As the practice of the church goes on, and recognize that oneness that they have with Jesus Christ and his priesthood, that really to, to unite one in the, in the heart of the priesthood would be to completely set their heart only on the Lord. And the only way to do that was really to live a life of celibate chastity. That would come along... Uh, very, very early on, but it quite, it's not at the very, very beginnings where St. Paul is uh, instructing Titus to set up these, um, these leaders in the church. That's why we pray in this week of vocations, we pray in a, in a special way for holy vocations to the priesthood, to the priesthood, so that, and, uh, that we have those who will continue to be at the service of the gospel, and as we, we really recognize that with, if there's no priesthood, there's no Eucharist. We do not have the Eucharist. We don't have the ability to receive Jesus Christ, body and blood, soul and divinity. So God always calls and he continues to call. Even if in many places, especially in the United States, we may have a vocation crisis, it is not because God is not calling. It's because people are not listening or as well disposed. And it is, I, it is for sure a fact that the scandals that have happened in the last 20 years in the church have really kind of rocked that, have, have really hurt uh, those whom Jesus perhaps is calling, has turned away many. And that's why we need holy, holy priests. The gospel reminds us to beware, to beware that we do not cause scandal. Um, we pray for those who, uh, in a way, who have, and we pray, we, we experience too in the church the damage that is done. For us as priests, we experience it by the sort of kind of suspicion uh, that people have towards us. And so we sort of bear that burden of our brothers who have, um, who have caused scandal in the church. Maybe it's the little ways that we, have, that we individually have to be more aware um, that uh, we might cause scandal. Uh, share something personally. Like sometimes I have these old 80s songs in my head. And when I'm doing dishes and things, I'll start singing them. Until somebody will point out to me, it's like, you know, if you really listen to the words, it's not that great of a song. Or it'll all of a sudden occur to me. It's like, yeah, I kind of like the beat and so on and so forth, but yeah, this is not a very good song to sing, and I hope I haven't caused scandal. Because then, you know, those, those are like earworms, right? They get into people's head, and they can't get the song out of their head, and it's not very good. It's not a very good uh, thing, so I hope I have not caused scandal. But simple ways of, if we look back and, at ourselves and see, are there words or or sort of ways that we do things that perhaps do not radiate the life of Jesus Christ in us most clearly, or sort of cloud that. If, if there is, then of course we need to, to change that. And if there is uh, people that we need to forgive or that need to forgive us, that we, we hope that what the Lord um, exhorts in the gospel, that if we wrong somebody seven times in one day and we say that we're sorry, that they will forgive us, and hopefully we do the same. Let us pray, dear brothers and sisters, for holy, holy priests. 
priests who radiate the life of Jesus Christ, who bring uh, holiness and the gospel and the Eucharist to, to feed the, his, the Lord's people each day. bring our petitions before our Heavenly Father. Let us pray for the Holy Church of God, for our Holy Father, for his intentions and his personal, physical, and spiritual needs, we pray to the Lord. Lord hear our Let us pray for vocations to the priesthood and to the religious life and uh, throughout, throughout the world, and especially in Our Lady's society, we pray to the Lord. Lord hear our Be mindful of those who are sick and who are suffering, for those who experience great financial difficulties, for those who are unemployed, uh, those who have been diagnosed with terminal diseases, they may experience the consolation, deep peace of the Lord, that he is with them through all these difficulties. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the upcoming election, that God's will would be done. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Let's pray for those who have died, for all the holy souls in purgatory, they may rest in peace. We pray to the Lord. Lord we pray for the intentions of those who are joining us online through Guadalupe Radio, for all those who are enrolled in our Salt Mass Association, for these intentions. We pray to the Lord. Lord Heavenly Father, hear our prayers and grant our petitions through Christ our Lord. Amen. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands, it will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you, fruit of the vine, and work of human hands, become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Look kindly, we pray, O Lord, on the prayers and offerings of your people, that the stewards of your mysteries may grow in number and persevere always in your love through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is, right and just. it is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, creator of the world and source of all life. 
For you never forsake the works of your wisdom, but by your providence are even now at work in our midst. With mighty hand and outstretched arm, you led your people Israel through the desert. Now, as your church makes her pilgrim journey in the world, you always accompany her by the power of the Holy Spirit and lead her along the paths of time to the eternal joy of your kingdom through Christ our Lord. And so with the angels and saints, we too sing the hymn of your glory as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis Uncheli et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy and to be glorified, O God, who love the human race and who always walk with us on the journey of life. Blessed indeed is your Son present in our midst when we are gathered by his love. And when, as once for the disciples, so now for us, he opens the scriptures and breaks the bread. Therefore, Father most merciful, we ask that you send forth your Holy Spirit to sanctify these gifts of bread and wine, that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. On the day before he was to suffer, on the night of the Last Supper, he took bread and said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, gave you thanks, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, Holy Father, as we celebrate the memorial of Christ your Son, our Savior, whom you led through his passion and death on the cross to the glory of the resurrection, and whom you have seated at your right hand, we proclaim the work of your love until he comes again, and we offer you the bread of life and the chalice of blessing. Look with favor on the oblation of your church, in which we show forth the paschal sacrifice of Christ that has been handed on to us, and grant that by the power of the spirit of your love we may be counted now and until the day of eternity among the members of your Son, in whose body and blood we have communion. And so, having called us to your table, Lord, confirm us in unity, so that together with Francis our Pope and Michael our Bishop, with all bishops, priests, and deacons, with your entire people, as we walk your ways with faith and hope, 
We may strive to bring joy and trust into the world. Remember our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the peace of your Christ and all the dead whose faith you alone have known. Admit them to rejoice in the light of your face and in the resurrection. Give them the fullness of life. Grant also to us when our earthly pilgrimage is done that we may come to an eternal dwelling place and live with you forever. There in communion with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the apostles and martyrs, and with all the saints, we shall praise and exalt you through Jesus Christ, your Son. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days. That by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. The power Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church. Graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. The of the sign of peace. Agnus Dei. Qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, Dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be. By this we came to know the love of God, that Christ laid down his life for us, so we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. 
since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. O Thou, who at Thy Eucharist did pray, that all Thy Church might be forever one, grant us at every Eucharist to say, with longing heart and soul Thy will be done, Oh, may we all one bread, one body be through this blessed sacrament of unity. We pray thee to for wanders from thy fold. Oh, bring them back, good shepherd of the sheep. Back to the faith which saints believed of old. Back to the church which still that faith doth keep. Soon may we all one bread, one body be. Through this blessed sacrament of unity. So, Lord, at length when sacrament shall cease, may we be one with all thy church above, one with thy saints in one unbroken peace, one with thy saints in one unbounded love, more blessed still in peace and love to be, one with the Trinity in unity. Let us pray. Renewed with the bread of the heavenly table, we entreat you, O Lord, that through this sacrament of charity, the seeds you sow with great abundance in the field of your church may come to maturity, so that many may make it their choice in life to serve you and their brothers and sisters through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Salve Regina, Mater Misericordiae, Vita Dulcedo, Espes Nostra Salve, A Te Clamamos, Exules Filii Hebe. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. 
be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary, we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. All Catholic, all the time. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Sarah, a parishioner at Annunciation, and you're listening to the Guadalupe Radio Network on AM 1430 KSHJ Houston. Radio for your soul.